This is Coach Chris Holtman. You're listening to Drive the Lane Podcast. Hey. Welcome back to Drive the Lane on the Field of 68, presented by Bet Rivers. Interesting episode today. We talk a lot about the Big Ten season, Ohio State's last few games, and moving forward with our good friend Adam Jardy from the Columbus Dispatch. Quick little intro here because we talked with him for about 45 minutes. Everything you need to know about Ohio State. Joey, we've been saying for a while, that this was a sweet 16 team. That's where you need to get to for this to be a successful season. Has your mind changed? Has it changed at any point the last few weeks? No, I mean, it's funny because what a roller coaster of a year. It's been all year. Big wins, being Duke, bad losses to Indiana at home, on the road. You know, we lose a tough one to Iowa. We lose a really tough one to Maryland, but we, in between them, we have an awesome win against Indiana and an incredible win at Illinois, you know? So it's just, it's crazy, right? It's just a roller coaster year, but to answer your question, expect change, expectations have not changed. Let's get this team to the sweet 16. Let's make sure we keep the double by, which if we win out, we will. Let's make sure we keep the double by for the big 10 tournament. Because at, at this point, really, if you would have said, you know, Hey, Ohio state's going to have 20 wins. They're going to be a top four team in the big 10 double by they're going to have a player of the year candidate in ej liddell first team all big 10 they're going to have the freshman of the year malachi branham and maybe an all big 10 player which we talk about with jardy as well along with possible guys on the defensive team all defensive team like you would have said if i told you we could fast forward that from october to now and just fast forward to that result uh, i think everybody would take it um you know we dive in with jardy about it's it's more it's kind of like a heart to heart with buckeye nation a little bit right like like tempering expectations and trying to be real because jardy has the greatest pulse of anybody on this program and the expectations and everything you know we'll be the first to say we kind of have unrealistic expectations sometimes both too positive and too negative um what jardy does in this episode which i love is we, it's like a heart to heart. You know, we, we talk about what realistic expectations should be, how awesome coach Holtman is and how you, you know, people forget, Andrew, you mentioned it when we were off the air that, that, you know, guys are going after Holtman, but at the same time, North Carolina wanted him last year. Like you got to realize how we have a top 15 coach in the country. Players want to come play for him and at this university, we're not going to be Ohio state football and compete for national championship every year. Nobody in college basketball does that. Um, I just want people to realize like, Hey, I understand if coach Holman doesn't win in March this year, like it's a problem. I get it. But like play with the cards you're dealt. It isn't March yet. Let's be happy. Let's root this team on and be positive. Uh, Jardy mentioned it. The, the last thing that I'll say before we get to the interview, uh, the team has a chance to win three games in a row going into the tournament, going into the big 10 tournament. That would be massive. They've only won three games in a row once this year to start. Be nice to bookend it with a three game winning streak home against Nebraska. You got to win. You got to win. We don't even need to talk about it. And then this week also home against Michigan state on Thursday, Michigan state who just had their biggest win of the year home against Purdue. It's going to be a tough game, but another game you got to win. And then we ended with senior night on Sunday with Michigan. Um, Kyle Young's last game, EJ Liddell's last game in the shot. Maybe Malachi's last game in the shot. Jamari Wheeler's last game in the shot. You know, maybe it's Justin Arn's last game in the shot. Like the list goes on and on and on guys. Like, like let's, let's soak the last portion of the season up. Let's be positive. They'll be just fine. They'll be just fine. We talked about why they'll be successful in March. It's not March yet. Okay. Like, here we go. Buckle up and drive the lane because it's going to, it ramps up now and it's yeah. exciting. Do you think, and I'll just say this real quickly Kyle Young did a senior night last year, right? 
Yes. So, so should EJ again? Should EJ be like, I'm, I am going to go to the NBA after this. I want to get like a. Well, it's already. It, it's been. It's it's been announced. Like Coleman said, it's his last year. Like he, right. He's kind so of is he going to be honored? See, the problem is you can't really honor him unless he graduates. Like that's what we did for Cato when we knew Cato was leaving, but even though he had another year of eligibility, he had graduated. So we could frame it as we're celebrating, you know, we're celebrating our our graduates, right? You know, All right, so, well, may, maybe we'll think of something. Maybe they'll be like, and at this timeout, how about a round of applause for one of our favorite players, EJ Liddell? You know, like after the game, there's gonna be Jamar is gonna make a speech, Cedric Russell's gonna make a speech. Um Kyle's going to make another speech, probably maybe Justin. I would imagine Justin's going to come back if he wants to. Um, you know, who Joey Brunk, there's a lot of guys that are going to talk. I don't think EJ has a, it will have a chance to talk, which is kind of funny. Um, but he'll he'll be able to, you know, there will be a press conference where he has his moment. Yeah. So I'm not worried about that. Let's get to our uh, interview with Adam Jardy. All right, join us now from the Columbus Dispatch, making his long-awaited Drive the Lane <laughs> debut, Adam Jardy. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I'm sorry that literally everybody else in the Ohio State basketball world canceled on you. <laughs> no, that's far from the truth. You know, you know, we've uh, it's been a long time coming, so we're we're excited to have you on. Um, a long-awaited debut is a great way of phrasing it, especially considering the timing. Um, we were just talking about it before. Uh, we started recording. No one sees Ohio State more than you do. Um, and obviously the year is coming to an end and um, the Big Ten title hopes also came to an end. Uh, yesterday as well, we're recording this the, the day after the Maryland game. I guess we might as well jump right into it and talk about the most recent game. Um, I watched from afar. So did Andrew. Is that the worst performance of the year so far? It's probably the most disappointing. Um Oh, and when I think about games where they really struggled, like the game at Indiana was, I, I think of that one very similar to this one where it just kind of got away from them and they were, they were never able to, to mount much of a challenge down the stretch. Um, I think the Iowa game at home was a tough one, even though we're seeing that Iowa was a better team than I think we, we expected. Um, I think that one's going to stick with, stick with people based on when it happened during the season. Um, honestly, the Florida loss, that was a tough one too. That was, you know, they led that game for the duration and it was theirs for the taking and then they lose on a buzzer beater. So I mean, there have been some some tough losses this season, but I think with everything that was at stake and sure, they st- they could have won out this week and they still might not have, you know, captured a Big Ten title, but you had a lot to play for and it was certainly a tough pill to swallow that they played a game the way that they did. How much of the result of the game do you think has to do with how condensed the last few games have been. And then even though the game's scheduled for, you know, this week haven't happened yet, you see those games on your schedule. You see you only have one day. So how much of an impact do you think that has had? It's That's definitely part of it. Um, I'm just – I'm surprised that they necessarily – that they kind of had the, the effort level that they did. That I thought that we got peak Kyle Young in that game. I think that, when, you know, if you're watching the game, you, you saw – Kyle doing basically everything that he could to, to will them to, to a victory, but they just didn't have enough from other guys. And, and some of that sure is 
you know, you and Joey, you, I mean, you know what this was like. You had a huge emotional, crazy win on Thursday. It was a nine o'clock Thursday night game on the road. So you're getting home at four in the morning the next morning, and then you're going to go play a team that like this was a huge game for Maryland. You know, that 2002 team was back. That team is beloved. Gary Williams gives a speech to the team. Like there was a lot of juju in that arena for Maryland, but I kind of thought that Ohio State was at a point in the season where it was ready to handle that kind of stuff thrown at it. Um, we've had a lot of talk in the last few weeks about how this is a player led locker room. And these guys know, you know, they've been through the battles and they know what, what to expect. And, um, it was surprising to me, not necessarily that Ohio state lost, but I guess more how they lost because they just didn't seem like they had the fight necessary. And I, I did not see that from this team at this part of the season. I, I think disappointing is, is probably the best way um to to view this loss not not the season by any stretch but the loss for sure to me you know obviously we are on different sides of the court right and and i view everything that happens in a different way than both you and andrew do even though you guys probably view it in different ways also um in my opinion it's really really real that guys get tired at this point of the year it's it's really real because they've been working out as hard as possible since not since october when games start like they've been doing it since june and and even may in some cases if they don't have a good year in the ncaa tournament in your opinion i know andrew just asked about fatigue in general i'm going to rephrase the question a little bit is it on the guys or is it on the coaching staff or is it you know there's there's really nothing to be said. It just happens to everybody. I mean, I think you have to spread it around because I think, I think as a coaching staff, you're probably trying to figure out the best way to push the right buttons, keep guys as fresh as you can while also still getting in the work that you need. And, and I think that is like a two way trust street where you're, you're assuming that if we're not going to go super hard for four hours today, that we're going to get what we need from it. And guys are going to be able to then apply that to the next game. And the players weren't able to do that in, in this game. And I don't, I don't know ultimately where the, the full blame falls. Like I said, I think you probably spread it out a little bit because um, you have to trust at this point of the season that guys are going to understand the, you know, the uh, gravitude, gravitude, that word gravity of, <laughs> of the game and, and like what's at stake. And they're going to be able to, to rise to that. And I, I don't, I think certainly some of that falls on coaching, but certainly some of that has to fall in like the individual accountability from players too, that you just, you need to, you need to find a way to give more. So it's not so much that they lost. It's that the manner in which they lost, they were consistently beaten to effort plays and 50, 50 plays. And they settled for too many threes and just kind of got out of the things that if you're going to lose this game, I thought it made sense to lose it 62 to 57. And it was a slug fest the whole way. I didn't, I didn't see a 15 point loss coming. So why do you think, and I have my own theory as to why, but why do you think Ohio State, you know, fans, Ohio State Twitter are so quick to judge on a game-by-game basis, whether it's, you know, players that should or shouldn't go to the NBA or the future of the coaching staff? Like, why is it so game-by-game? And, I mean, I'm kind of coding it, but it's like, Malachi only has 13 points. Now he shouldn't be going to the NBA. They lose that game. What's up with Holtman? Like, why do you think it's so different after every game? Okay. (laughs) Take a a breath here. Um, It's a lot of things. I mean, we could start big picture and say that's society now. I mean, 
I, I was thinking on my, on my drive back from Maryland today when I had some time to decompress, I was thinking to myself, what would Ohio State basketball Twitter have been like when Thad Mata got to the Sweet 16 and kept losing? How would, how would Ohio State fans have responded in that situation? And how are Ohio State fans responding in the current situation? Like, I think that some of it is just you have this this, div- this device in front of you, this technology in front of you where you have a thought, you can fire it off. And, and that's that's what that's the world that we live in. That's the you know, we're, we're not changing that. And that's never going away. I think that's that's part of it. Um, I think that it becomes easier to have an entrenched opinion that you you believe no matter what people throw at you. I think that's certainly part of it. Um, I think that it's very easy to become a prisoner of the moment and to have to really fall into, you know, a recency bias situation where like, you're just looking for the most recent thing that validates your opinion and you're, you're clinging to it. I think when you're, I mean, you're, you're also talking about a fan base that I had, I had one, a couple of people make the point to me that they expect Ohio state football competes for a national championship every year and is always uh, a big 10 title game uh, contender and favorite and Ohio state basketball should absolutely be the same, same set of expectations. I think there's a fantastic conversation to be had about what the realistic year over year expectations should be for Ohio state basketball. Because I think if you're saying that the bar is what Ohio state football does, then I would challenge you to find a program where that's the case. Ever. Because it doesn't, it ever, doesn't exist. There's ever been a run like that. No, no, yeah. it, it doesn't exist. There's, there's no program in America where you have a team that every year is a legitimate, whatever list or however long you want to make the list, that team's going to be a favorite to win the championship in both sports. It, it doesn't, you will have years where that will happen, but that's not a consistent, realistic expectation for a university. And so I think it's fair to expect great things from Ohio state basketball. And there's certainly the resources and the talent and everything there to expect great things. But I think that when you start dealing with the nuances of Ohio state basketball and what, what Twitter might tell you about the the perceptions of the fan base, I think it's a, it's a prisoner of the moment at times. And I think it's, it's a direct reflection of the shade that football throws at it and the expectations that come with that. And like I said, that's there's a lot to get into there. Yeah. No, you could talk about that for days and we don't have to because we try to be uh, more of a positive podcast, right? Of course. And, you know, the last kind of negative or reflecting question that, that we'll ask you um, is about Coach Holden because uh, he gets all, all the praise, but not enough, honestly. And then all of the backlash, every single game, no matter what, doesn't matter. It's all his fault, as it probably should be for coaches. Can, you know, and we talk about it and we are ultra positive and we love Coach Holman and we should because we're biased and I played for him and Andrew and him are best friends now. And I mean, it, it, it should be that way. But from your perspective, can you please tell Ohio State fans what we have in Coach Holman? Sure. I mean, it, it, it surprises me how quickly people forget and Joey, you can speak to this, what it was like before Chris Holtman got to Ohio state, because you're coming off the greatest era in Ohio state basketball history. And I recognize that Fred Taylor won a national championship and went to other, you know, final fours. And, th- and that was unbelievable run. And that's, that's, you know, that's where 1960, that's why 1960 matters to Ohio state. But you look at what Thad did for the 10, the, that 10 year span or so it, it's on, it, it's, to me, it's unparalleled. That's the best continual stretch of Ohio State basketball success. And so I think you come off of that and that if you want to treat that as the um, the baseline, if you want to say that is the expectation. So you're, you're holding the 10-year best period in program history as the baseline. That's, that's, a, that's a, a tall ask. 
So get that out of the way, like, like right off the bat. If that's your expectation, that's fine to recognize what that expectation is. So then you, you, you put that sort of aside and you look at, well, what, what has Chris Holtman done? And it's not my job to sit here at the end of the day and to defend him and to say, oh, he's this, he's that, he's whatever. It's my job to present the facts and, you know, my observations from being around the program and going to the games. I, I One number that was thrown out to me a number of times last night was 667. Chris Holtman wins two-thirds of his games. And so I was like, okay, well, wh- where does that stack up? Well, since the Titanic sank, the only one who's won more, uh, had a better winning percentage is that motto. So, I, like, that's a thing. And those are numbers, and that that says something about where about what he's doing. I think it's fair to say that the program hasn't gotten as far as Ohio State fans would like it to in the postseason. And the fact they've not brought home a trophy yet is frustrating and is certainly a concern. But I also think you go back to those first two years, Ohio State was projected to do, do absolutely nothing during Holtman's first two years. And you go to the tournament, you win a game both seasons – those are overachieving years based on what the cupboard was no offense to joey based on what the cupboard was when chris holtman got to ohio state and the fact that you barely had players at that point and to to get to the tournament that year i think was a significant achievement and to do it again the next year with what i've had other people around the program say the worst team talent wise they've seen in in a, (laughs) a long time and to get there and to win another game like those are overachieving years to me We'll never know what 2020 would have been. His statistics would tell you that was at least a sweet 16 team. It was the best combination of offense and defense. There's a lot of teams that can claim what 2020 could have been. Last year, there's no excusing. You lose in the first round. You take a, a one of the 10 biggest upsets in NCAA tournament history. Like You have to own that, and I think that they have. But what's, what's interesting to me is I have people already saying they're another one and done in the NCAA tournament this year. Well, you, you can't already, you can't prejudge someone on something that hasn't happened. And I, I don't understand like that, that line of reasoning where you're already convinced this is, this is where the season is headed. We, we don't know. Like the most important part of the season is still, you know, we're, as we're recording this, we're still seven hours from March. Like we're going to get there. And I think what Ohio State does in the tournament this year, I think will go a long way toward either adding to or subtracting from Chris Holtman's detractors. But I think, if you, if you set your expectations for Ohio State basketball to be, you are in the contention for a Big Ten title more often than not, you're winning most of your games, you're playing high-level games, which we can talk about the non-conference schedule as well and how he's beefed that up and, you know, the tournaments that Ohio State's playing in now. Like, there, there's a lot of good things there. But you do have these kinds of losses that I understand why they resonate with people. Nobody wants to go to lose at unranked Maryland when they're five and 12 in the big Ten. Like I get that. There are certainly frustrating things and it's not all, you know, sunshine and roses, but um, I think that based on what he was brought in to do, I, I don't, there's things to criticize, but I don't, I think the criticism goes a little far at this point. You mean when the same people who are saying Malachi should come back for a second year are complaining that he's never had a one and done? Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like it's like how can you how can you be mad that Holtman's never produced a one and done, and then also be replying on all of our tweets and all of your tweets saying Malachi's not ready for the end? It's like, well, which one do you want? Well, yeah, and that's and it's it's very easy to get into like circular logic when it comes to Twitter, when it comes to those kinds of engagements. And so, uh, I think there are just there are, people have their minds made up to feel one way or another, 
And I try to present as many facts as I can and as much perspective as I can. And if that's how they still feel at the end of the day, uh, there's nothing, there's nothing to be done about that. Like everyone's entitled to their opinion. I'm just surprised that, that the, the numbers and the results of this point, um, that, that the conversation even is what it is right now, frankly. Now, maybe if they, if they don't lose to Oral Roberts last year, this is probably not even a conversation, honestly, but, um, but yeah, it's 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 an interesting point of the season, and it, it really does put even more emphasis on what's what's right around the corner for Ohio State because I think this is a really important march to show where they are and where things are headed. I, I do think that it really does, in my opinion, having obviously been a student athlete there and seeing, um, you know, the the quote unquote pressure that's on us. I don't think it's it's a lot, but it's not as much as it would be if we weren't a football school. You know, I, I think that. The fact it goes both ways. I think that Coach Holtman probably loves the fact that no matter how great or bad they do, the fans only care about how Ohio State football did to an extent. I think that that's something that's intriguing about the Ohio State job in general, and I think that that's something that that helps Coach Holtman, but it also hurts him a ton. I think that people look at the success of Ohio State football every year and think, okay, they're a top-four team every single year with a top recruiting class every single year with – four first round picks every single year. Why can't Ohio state basketball be that? And that's not fair because for every Ohio state football, there's a Kentucky basketball and people don't understand that that's how it works. And that's okay. And we don't need to dive into that. But what I do want to talk about it a little bit here is the future, right? You said it, we've got, it's, it's the most important March for this staff. And it's a huge March because we're going to lose three, four, five, six guys, who knows, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. um, I, I mean, looking forward, right. There's, there's some really important games for gaining momentum and you know, who knows what happens. College basketball is nuts. You could end up winning the big 10 somehow, which I, we, we all agree. We don't think is going to happen, but who knows, you know, only way to have a chance is to win all three of these games. So, you know, moving forward in this stretch into the big 10 tournament, you know, what, what are your thoughts for this team? Well, I think they need to to get some of that mojo going again. I think that was a deflating loss. Like I said, in the way that it happened, I think there's some, some probably some hard truths that some guys maybe have to have to come to grips with and realize that like if they want to avoid what happened in the postseason last year that they can't that can, that just can't happen anymore and I think the way the schedule lines up like you have a chance like a, the Big Ten title is out the window but I think you have a chance to really go into the postseason feeling pretty good about yourselves I mean Ohio State hasn't won three in a row in the Big Ten since it started three and oh and you got a chance now. I mean, you're going to play Nebraska on Tuesday. And yes, Nebraska just beat Penn State. And yes, Nebraska's playing better. You have to beat Nebraska. Like that's I'm not I'm not doing <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not spending any time prepping like what's the big matchup Ohio State Nebraska. It, to me, it's irrelevant. They're going to win that game. If they don't, emergency podcast, like that's you know, <laughs> that's then that it gets it gets dicey. Um and then, I mean, you, you end the season at home with Michigan State, Michigan. Like, what – as if you're an Ohio State player, like, what better setup do you ha- could you ask for right there than the chance to close the with those two teams on your home court and a chance to take that kind of momentum with you into the postseason? Like, that is, that is a thing. That is big to me. And so I'm very interested to see how they respond now to coming off this loss. Can they – is that – you, you you hear about like sometimes a team needs a loss to galvanize it. And sometimes a late season loss teaches you something you can't lose. You can't learn unless you lose in that way. I think we're going to learn a lot about what this Ohio state team really does have deep down in these three games, because you got three games in six days and then, and then it's the postseason. So what are you made of and what is that going to 
to carry you into March with. I'm really, really interested to see how they respond as this week goes on. It's funny because if we recorded on Friday, let's say, we would have been all about, all right, this is the team. They're going to go to the final four. This is what they got to do. The blueprint's right there for them. And now it's like, it honestly feels like a completely different season to some people from, you know, Thursday night, as you said, 10 p.m. to where we are right now. For for a while, Joey and I were like, all right, they need to find EJ's Robin. They got to find yeah. some, and then it's like, all right, they got it with Malachi. But now, like, what else do you think needs to happen? I personally think like like Michi's minutes got to be so meaningful when he's in there. He's got to hit some threes. He's got to run the offense well. Like, what what do you think is a, a major key to success from now through the rest of the year? They've got to start rebounding the ball better. Uh, on the defensive end, they've got to keep teams off the glass. That is absolutely killing them. There were there were a couple of stretches in that game last night in the second half where uh, they forced a miss. Maryland got a long rebound, and it led to a three. And those threes always go in. And that is that remains to me like the biggest thing that this team continues to struggle with. And it, it might be what puts the ceiling on where this postseason could ultimately go is they give up too many of those opportunities. It was interesting. Chris Holman said on his radio show today, he mentioned uh, talking about Malachi and all the great things that Malachi's done, but they're really challenging Malachi to guard or to, to rebound better because they're not getting any rebounding from the guard positions. And he said, Justice suing would give you like eight a game. Like, and, and, you're trying to find ways to make up for that kind of stuff. And I do, I don't, I don't know that there is an answer in season for, you know, suddenly someone's got to give you what justice suing would have given you when it comes to the glass. But when I look at what this team needs to do to get better, their defense hasn't been great all year. It's had some moments, but it's starting to, to trend back toward not that great right now. If they could clean up some of those second chance opportunities, those numbers improve significantly. And it really, to me gives them a much greater chance of, of punching their way out of a sec out of the first weekend. And who knows what happens from there, but it's, it's got to me, it's got to start in the glass. They've got to find a way to address that. And it's been an issue all year. We talk about it religiously on this show. It's all about taking care of the ball on offense and rebounding yeah. on the defensive end. And, and it's just, it, it's true every single year. You know, if you want to make it to the final four, whether you're Gonzaga or Seton hall or whoever you are, you got to rebound the ball. You got to take care of the ball. There's no doubt about it. Um, what I want to talk about kind of the last few things, um, postseason awards. Um, this team is, you know, they're fighting for a top four seed, right? A double buy, which is huge, yep. which means you're going to get some pretty, pretty nice, you know, accolades from a player's perspective, which no one really cares about, right? Obviously it's fun. No one cares about it because they'd rather just win the big 10. Um, but I've got a couple guys in mind. Talk to us about who you think from this team is going to end up on, what xyz team um well I, I think ej's first team all big 10 i i don't know at this point if he could pass like johnny davis for big 10 player of the year because i just think johnny's had the year and wisconsin's had the year and they're gonna most likely win the title so to me that that's the player of the year um it doesn't mean that ej is not necessarily deserving of it but i just think um head head to head Wisconsin has the better record. Wisconsin is, is going to bring home the trophy and all other things being considered equal. I, he gets the nod. So I think, I think that's the case, but I think EJ is definitely on that first team. I think depending on how these next three games go, I mean, Malachi is playing himself under all conference 
consideration for sure. Um, you know, the argument between him and McGowan's from Nebraska for big 10 freshman of the year. Um, again, we'll see how these next three games go, but to me, when you have one team that's getting a double buy and one team that is the, the basement, um, you know, sorry to McGowan's, I, he's a very talented player, but again, I give the nod to a Branham in that situation because of he's, and he's impacting a team that's winning at a high level. And that matters to me. He's also getting fewer opportunities to do some things than McGowan's is because the roster is, is deeper. So to me, those are the two guys that are, that are in consideration. I'm not honestly behind them. I don't, I don't know that I see anybody else that's, that's necessarily in the running for any sort of individual award. I think it's time to make an award like the Kyle young award of just like, (laughs) like not MVP, but like, most important player, you know, where like yeah. this is the first inaugural Kyle Young most important player award. Which you give him the David Lighty award. There you go. Exactly. I, I don't. I'd have to go back and look and see when uh, what sort of all conference things David Lighty won. But like, uh, certainly there you could. It's not a far. It's not a hard line to draw between the two of them and just how impactful they are to their team's success. But Jamari, really like might, a- Jamari might steal that from Kyle Young, though. He might, Jamari might win the first ever Kyle Young award. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, it really just comes down to being like the all glue guy team, which I know yeah. like Seth Davis does and all that stuff. If Kyle Young is not on that, there's two, there's two things. If Malachi Brown doesn't win freshman of the year, we riot. If <laughs> if Kyle Young isn't on that glue guy team, he's been he should he has been he should have been on this team the past three years, but that's neither here nor there. If he's not on that team, we also riot. What do you think about EJ being defensive player of the year? Is that crazy? It's not crazy. Um, I mean, the the impact that he makes at his size and the way that, that he's able to affect the game, I think for him to win that though, I feel like his rebounding numbers would need to be better. And I, if I'm, I'm finding nits to pick at that point, I feel like, yeah. because he's done, literally everything else for this Ohio state team and is like the primary reason why, you know, we're even talking about how far this team could go in March. I mean, he's been, he's been sensational this year. Um, But I've, I've thought that his rebounding could be higher and he could do a better job controlling the glass in that manner. And that would, that would tell me, yeah, let's put him in that conversation. So I think I would put him maybe, maybe a step behind, but I I'm certainly willing to hear that argument. And then my last person just to mention, does Jamari Wheeler get all defensive team just out of reputation? I mean, I, I feel like probably sure. Um, you know, and, and I mean, Jamari has been a lot of things for this team. I feel like he hasn't, I had higher expectations. So did I. And I don't, I don't mean for criticism, but I felt like there've been too many times this season where I've seen guys getting too good of looks and too good of drives that I thought Jamari would have stopped to where, I think he's been obviously he's been important. He's been impactful for this team, but I thought the defensive impact would be greater than what it has been. I think it's funny because what it really is to me is like, just like people unfairly compare Ohio state basketball to Ohio state football. We went into this season being like, this is the next Aaron craft. And anytime you give anyone the Aaron craft label, it doesn't matter what they do. They won't meet expectations. So, but I mean, Jamar is awesome. We, yeah. I mean, it, it's amazing. Who would have thought he would impact the team more on offense than defense. That's what yeah. really, I think is happening is yeah, he's, you're making, right. he's making threes at a really high level and, and taking care of the ball for the most part and creating great opportunities from the point guard spot. And like, I mean, he was great on Trent Frazier. Like he, he was, he's played great defense, but like, it's weird that he has become more of an offensive guy. Like we, we joked about it with Robbie Hummel or, or at least I did like, 
I used to text Robbie all the time about how much I hated Jamari Wheeler, like <laughs> straight up hated him. I would be yeah. watching a Penn state Purdue game and Robbie would be on the call and Jamari would make a three. And I'd be like, of course he, he always makes threes in important games. He's so annoying. And then he comes to Ohio state and I'm like, this is our savior, Robbie. I love this guy. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just, he's just funny, but, but yeah, it's, it's interesting because you know, it's a weird year because the big 10 has, has 10 guys that could be on the first team. They've, five guys who could win player of the year nationally, let alone in the, in the conference. So I just wanted to get your opinion on awards. Andrew, do you have any other questions before we let them go? I just have one big 10 question for you. So you've seen all these teams up close and personal. I, for a while thought it was Illinois, but now I'm kind of changed my mind on that. Like who do you think is the big 10 team with the best chance to win a national championship? Oh, you know, that drought, man. 22 years now and counting and that's I want to my heart wants to say Purdue because maybe Purdue is just at a point in the season where they're just ready for March and they're done with all of this and they're just you know that that happens with teams sometimes they obviously have the most offensive upside in in the league um but that defense is just not it's not championship it's very bad and it's so atypical for Purdue just not weird yeah, it's bizarro Purdue. It makes no sense. So I hesitate to say them. I don't like the thought of pinning my hopes on a Wisconsin team that I just did not see coming into the regular season doing anything. So obviously I, I don't know anything about what I'm talking about because I did not think Wisconsin <laughs> was winning the Big Ten. But I don't I don't know that they're built for a deep run. I don't know that they have the horses aside from Johnny Davis. So I don't. You're allowed to say nobody. It's turning into nobody for me. I mean, if you're asking me which – do I think a Big Ten team could win the national championship this year? At this point, I don't think so. And if I had to pick one, I would probably just say Purdue in the hope that they're going to figure out some defense and they're going to score enough points to win a bunch of 95 to 92 games. But the, I guess I'm just going to ride with the Boilers. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's such a crazy year. We've bounced back and forth from like four different teams. I, I Where I kind of stand on it is Purdue can't play defense. Illinois is so inconsistent and they've got their, their player of the year, quote unquote candidate is not even their best player on their team. Right. Which is weird. Um, I mean, Wisconsin, I just, they're just so much of a one man show. Sometimes that's just scary. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. There's problems with every single team. So It'll be it'll be an interesting. I was gonna win a few games. I, I was literally just gonna say that means it's gonna end up being Iowa, and I was gonna be the, the one team in the anyone. elite eight. Yep, they're playing the best basketball. But uh, you know, Adam, before we let you go, the way we've end we end every episode uh, is and and you're a pros pro at this. We want to turn the tables on you, give you the opportunity to ask us some questions. I know we've done this before, but you've never interviewed Andrew, so um, <laughs> we're we're open for some questions. Okay. So I was thinking about this in the car today. Um, <laughs> I love it. So uh, first one to the two of you, what makes in your eyes, what makes a good college basketball beat writer? Ooh. You, well, you can go if you have an idea, Andrew. Yeah. I like that. You kind of just talked negatively about Ohio state, but also positively about Ohio state. You can't have a writer that just, pounds them every time they do bad and doesn't praise them every time they do good it's like it's like a strict parent almost like you gotta (laughs) reward the kid which in in this case is a the team you cover reward the kid when they do well but also like hey gotta be harsh on you when you don't perform so i i say a good college basketball beat writer can praise the positives and bring up the negatives 
in in my opinion, I, I totally agree. And, and I will take it a step further. What I a great college basketball beat writer like yourself. I oh, think please. that um, what I love most is that you call guys out on Twitter, you know, like you, you're not afraid to respond to the, to the trolls, right. Whether they're too positive or too negative, like you, 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 it, it's great because people follow you because they come for the Ohio state basketball content, but you can't be a college beat writer that whether you have a bajillion followers or a hundred followers, you can't let, these guys that th- that think they log on to Twitter and can send whatever they want, like be all high and mighty and just, you know, not walk all over you, but like can't just tweet whatever they want without repercussions, right? Like a guy today tweets something like Ohio State, um, you know, only has – 10 top three. I, what, it was some random tweet about how their record in the Big Ten or against unranked teams is not that good. And it's like, well, do you factor in the fact that the unranked teams they play every year are in the Big Ten, the best conference in college basketball? You know, stuff like that. You're just holding guys accountable for these bizarre, weird takes where there's trying to be negative, just holding the Twitter trolls accountable. That's what I that's what I love about you and you know guys like Bill Landis and and some other guys that 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 are that are great. Landis is a troll. I but that's why he gets it. He he calls the right guys yeah. out. He gets it. So that's that's what I appreciate. One of the things I try to keep in mind with that is that they are fans at the end of the day and fans are allowed to have unrealistic thoughts and fans are allowed totally. to feel how they feel. And, and I'm not here to tell anyone how to feel. Um, but I do think, yeah. I, and I try to, I like to think that people are coming to my Twitter page to engage in conversation about the program that, you know, I'm literally paid to spend way too much time thinking about like, yeah. I, so I do enjoy like getting that sort of interaction. So um Okay. Um, Wait, I got next. one more thing. I got one All more right. thing. So obviously this may not be as lucrative for a beat writer, but I think I love when they have one sport because then they're yeah. more focused on the one That's sport. a great this point too. Not a knock on Landis, obviously, but he does stuff for basketball and football, you know? So it's like, it's like we know in, in the football off season or in the basketball off season, like, you yourself, you are probably with players, you know, talking to players, families, this, that, where like someone who does football, their off, off season is much shorter. So, and that's not like a knock or sure. thing. It's just like, I enjoy having a beat writer that is just one sport focused. Well, I'm very, very lucky. I, I legitimately, I tell people this all the time. I feel like I have the best job in Ohio because I go to every game, I'm at every interview, and I don't have to split my attention. And so I can get to know players, I can get to know families, I can get to know uh, people in the program, and I feel like that enables me to tell stories I wouldn't otherwise be able to tell. And I find great, I derive great personal pride from being able to do that and just being able to provide a different viewpoint and to, to be as knowledgeable as I can. And so I appreciate you I guess recognizing that and saying that because that that's valuable to me. And so that's that's cool to hear. Um, two more, two more. Joey, what was the locker room like after the loss to Rutgers in the Big Ten tournament? Oh my gosh! Well, um, to I, I, I'll be completely honest. I thought there was no way Coach Mato was getting fired. That's for sure. That that thought never crossed my mind. Um, hundred percent now because now I can say whatever whatever I want. I was so relieved that that year was over. Oh my God. All I could think about was I can't wait to go home. I can't wait to give my mom a hug. I can't wait to, to 
to work out with guys that I like to work out with at home, like be away from my teammates that just the guys who rubbed me the wrong way, the guys who didn't care about winning, the guys who didn't care about it. It was so much relief for me. Um, the rest of the locker room, like, I don't think guys were that mad. I really don't. Like I, some guys were upset, you know, like that was Mark Loving's senior year. Do I think he was happy to be done? I don't as much as Mark, you probably thought that he didn't care or was ready to get out of there or whatever. Of course he was not happy to be done. Um, you know, I, I don't even, I don't know. A lot of guys weren't on that team, but they were, it wasn't necessarily because they graduated right um, They're in that next year. Um, but I think overall the locker room was not happy, but also not super sad. I think coach Mata was not happy, but also super relieved that that year was over. Um, and I can tell you firsthand that I wanted to be more mad. Like I wanted to be more mad, but the, the, the locker room just didn't give that feel like the, you know, my freshman year when we lost games, like guys were upset, but my sophomore year, it was almost like they were used to it, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, it was weird. I hated that, you know, and I'm not going to toot my own horn here, but I never had ever been on a losing team like that ever in my life. So like, yeah. I, I didn't know how to feel. I, but it was nice that it was done and we could get a fresh start and I could go home. Like it was miserable. That whole year was anxiety through the roof mad pissed off all the time miserable because especially like you know for my role you're on the team and you can't help right like you can practice as hard as you want you'll never get a chance to go help on the court so just weird weird year and weird feelings that was you know and then you go on twitter and you see gene smith like saying you know um coach mod is our guy like that's like you know looking back now anytime an ad or a owner or a gm or whoever says this is our guy you're like oh well that guy's fired in two weeks so <laughs> It's almost like I wish I would have known that then, but, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how, how the locker room was. That was an absurd day. I wrote so yeah, much that day. Um, last question for both of you. What is your favorite Oasis song? Wow. Andrew, you want to take that one? Cause I don't think I have an answer. Ouch. Yeah. Well, Wonderwall's Oasis, right? Yes. Okay. Then that's mine. <laughs> Fair enough. I should have prepared more. Are That's a, on me. Are you a I big Oasis fan? What's that? Are you a huge Oasis fan? Um, a little, little, yeah. <laughs> you follow him on Twitter, Andrew? Well, I mean, I, I follow him, but I'm yeah. As I said earlier, I'm so hyper focused on the basketball tweets. Now I'm looking to see if if I have a different one other than Wonderwall. Oh, Champagne Supernova is Oasis. That's a jam right there. Okay. Well, All right. I, I'll take that one. I'll take I, that I, one. I can tell you that Noel Gallagher dedicated that song to me at a concert in Cleveland a couple of years ago, and it was easily a top five moment of my life. Wow. 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 So, I'm, I'm as big of a, as a Bruce Springsteen fan as it seems you are Oasis fans. So okay. what's your favorite Bruce song? Uh, probably Born to Run. That's I mean, the that's the Wonderwall. That's the Wonderwall answer that you just gave me. So I can't. <laughs> yeah. Do do you like Brian Fallon? If you're a Bruce guy, who's Brian Fallon? Am I? I like I, Jimmy Fallon. Uh, Gaslight up? Anthem. He's a New oh, Jersey. I do know Gaslight Anthem. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Brian. Brian's one of my favorites as well. All so. right. All right. We got some homework. We got some homework. <laughs> I'll burn you some CDs because that's what the yeah. kids still do, right? <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Wait, right, Adam, so this you, have to, you have to follow Drive the Lane on Twitter. That's like guest code. Oh, I don't already? No, now you have to. Oh, okay. 
Yep. Unless I followed you from Andrew Zold, or unless I was looking at your page earlier from Andrew Zolden, which you still should follow also, but you definitely need to follow Drive the Lane. <laughs> I'm not already following Drive the Lane. Hey, I, I, I just spent the last couple of days policing Twitter on all my mentions. I'm not sure that I'm looking to add any more at the, at the moment. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're the last just thing kidding. you want is some Drive the Lane trolling. Just um, kidding. All right, Adam, this was a blast. Thank you for joining us. It won't be the last time, obviously. We're... We'll see uh, either an Indy or Andrew might come to Columbus. We'll, we'll see you around soon. So look forward to it. And uh, let's make, make these next few weeks a little bit more positive than the last one. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. I mean, Joey, you were always great to me um, as, as a player and as an interview. And so, you know, the very least I can do is come on and answer some of your questions. So I appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you as always. Absolutely. Tell the lane parents. Hi. Absolutely. Absolutely. Will do. Will do. Thank you, Thanks, sir. Man. Thanks guys. We hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Should we stick with the reverse psychology of saying they're going to lose games and say that they're going to lose all three this week like we did about well, Illinois? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It it worked, though. It worked. Um, I The last thing that I kind of want to talk about on real quick is quick shout-out to my buddies Sam Panich and Matt McPartland because I'm recording this in their apartment right now. I'm in D.C. and didn't go to the game, Andrew, which is probably why we lost. Um but if it wasn't for their equipment, we wouldn't be able to do this kind of emergency podcast, basically, that we are doing now. Yeah. So quick shout out to them. Um, but yeah, let's let's get out of here. Let's buckle up, drive the lane. I got to get on a flight back to Columbus to get to because if because if I'm not at the game this week, clearly they lose. So buckle up, drive the lane. Go Buckeyes.